Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is part two of my interview with Steve Addison about his book, The Rise and Fall of Movements. Enjoy. You know, in the in the book, um, you talk about a progression, and if I remember it right, it starts with identity and and then it begins to move to vision and, and then to strategy and then kind of ultimately to methodology. And, I, and then, you know, I would think in sometimes to ossification after that. But uh, talk to us a little bit about the, the phases that you see in, in the life of a movement. Hmm. Well, it begins with, with birth. And the key thing to get right there is, is identity. You know, the dependence on the word and obedience to the word, dependence on the Holy Spirit and commitment to to the mission, the core missionary task of making disciples. And I find that in in the stories of Jesus uh, baptism and wilderness testing. And then again, we see him reaffirming those key things when the movement's being handed over to the disciples to pursue in that resurrection to ascension period, those same three characteristics. And but to move into growth, you need to start building. You've got to express that identity. And so we we looked at, you know, well, what what are the elements of Jesus' strategy, the recurring things? And things like rapidly mobilizing workers, contagious relationships, adaptive methods, pioneering leaders. And so he's, he's not just out there willy-nilly. He is carefully uh, putting in place the building blocks of a, of a missionary movement. And wherever that movement goes, you need adaptive methods. So they'll vary from place to place, the way you present the gospel, the way you connect with people far from God. But there needs to be both identity and strategy undergirding that. Most of the time we're thinking, well, if we could just get the strategy right or the methods right, you know, this new tool or, hey, there's a, a new uh, approach to doing this or that. You know, what really wins over time is the identity piece. And you can't renew a movement without returning to first things. And those that sort of bring renewal by saying we're going to be more contextual, we'll fit in better with the modern or the postmodern world or what, often by neglecting identity, the word, the spirit, the core missionary task, they actually become more of a movement in decline because they're accommodating themselves to the world around or they're just <clears throat> using techniques and, 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 and the like, they're scratching the surface rather than getting back to the heart of the thing. So we need to keep returning to who we are in Christ 
as we express that strategy that he had in fresh ways in a, for every generation and every context. You know, I'm a little bit um, cynical in some ways. I, I absolutely believe in what you're saying, but I get so frustrated. I, I was with a, talking with a denominational leader just three days ago, and he came to me wondering what he could glean about um, money. They've come into a lot of money. Hmm. And they, they, what they are saying is we would hope to turn from a denomination in decline into a movement once again. And um, my friend and I both warned him, be careful of money, because when you start throwing money at church plants, often you, you create dependencies, but you hobble them. And, and then he got down to the real business at hand. He had seen a church that uh, one congregation that started 200 and some uh, churches in some very difficult areas. I mean, they get, got a micro church in a strip bar. And he's going, now, how can we as a denomination imitate that? And it's like, oh my gosh, you jumped right to methodology. Hmm. And I, 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 I just, you know, I tried to be gentle and gracious, and he just turned me off. So I, I'm kind of, like I said, a little bit cynical when I see the, these methods, these approaches to rejuvenation. I, I've seen one group in America that's really make, turning the corner. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The Wesleyan Church are doing some incredibly good things. But what about local churches? Uh, you know, I, I think in the United States, the, uh, the uh, mean church size is about uh, 75 people. Yeah. In Japan, it's half that. Uh, we're beginning to see some stirrings of vision in some of the Japanese churches that because we're using this concept we call microchurch where a guy keeps his career and then sees himself as a as a career guy who's a freelance pastor. So he's more Aquila in Corinth making tents than he is Paul making tents. So we'd see Paul as a bivocational apostle and Aquila as a freelance ministry guy who's a tent maker by career so we're seeing open doors with smaller churches being able to do stuff what would you say is are the implications of what you've written in the book to the to the local church that's gone you know we struggle a little bit financially we're you know we're just keeping our head above water but we believe that we're called to do this but what kind of things would you tell those people well, the, the encouraging thing is that, you know, most of the people in the world will be reached by a small local church somewhere between that 25 to 75 mark. And so we don't know if you can plant a church until you've connected with a community, shared the gospel, made some disciples, gathered them into discipleship communities that we call, that the scriptures call church. And so why don't you just start doing that? You know, in your own neighborhood or somewhere in town that you're willing to commit to. And um, so right around the U.S. and in other places in the West now, there are churches that are saying, um, we're not going to deconstruct ourselves. This is the sort of church we are. And some of them are very big. Some of them are much smaller. But we want to train our people in how to have gospel conversations and how to make a disciple. Um, and some of those new disciples will come back here to the serve. And some of them will, will plant new groups and churches in the community. 
Now you fast forward a couple of years and you have a couple who are demonstrating an ability to reach people, make disciples, form simple churches in the community. Will you have a cross-cultural missionary or a church planter on your hands now? But it's zero dollar and low risk. What happens if they can't reach their community? Well, they'll be a bit discouraged, you know, we'll give them some training and coaching, but they haven't quit their job. You know, they haven't moved halfway around the world. Um, but what happens if we begin to see, you know, we've got a two or three teams out in the community, some larger churches are doing that and they're seeing fruit. Well, maybe we have some church planters uh, some cross-cultural missionaries on our hands. And some of those people now are going to the ends of the earth, places, hard and dangerous places, because mm -hmm. now their church has seen a couple of years of track record. And my example in the book is, um, it's Charles Simeon. He discovered your secret, Ralph, is you, you can be the laziest pastor out um, and, and fuel movements. Because his church, unlike yours, was struggling. Uh, it was in Cambridge. And so he just decided, well, you know, why don't I try and train and mentor some leaders here at Cambridge University? I think I could do about 20 a year. Well, after 54 years, Charles Simeon had a thousand leaders he'd raised up and released into uh, ministry throughout the UK and to the ends of the earth. So he single-handedly, without any permission and a very low budget, um, turned around the evangelical movement in the Anglican Church and, you know, created a mission society called Church Mission Society. Just this one guy with a church that most people didn't like him, you know. Um, and so I'd say to that struggling church, you can't do everything, but you can do something. Um, and it'd be better if it just was zero dollar budget. Well, I believe in that 100%. I've always, um, we tried to do two things in our church. We, we tried to have everybody in the church involved in a discipleship. We call it disciple-making continuum. And so we would structure any midweek meeting around just three questions. What did the Holy Spirit say to you while the pastor was talking? Which might not be the pastor's sermon either. Mm. Um, what are you going to do about it and how can we help? People start to put their life on the line, but the leader now is discipling those people. And then we're discipling those leaders. And, and we turned out a lot of pastors that way. And, and then, But I would off to the side just have a little group of three to seven people that I would meet with every Saturday morning. We'd read books. We'd just talk, whatever. And some of those guys have started churches. One guy here in Hawaii, we were in Oahu, and he came to me one Saturday. He's a bus mechanic. And he goes, can I, can I use my tithe money to travel to another island uh, once a month? And I go, no, no, your tithe belongs to the church. What are you going to do? Uh, I already knew what he was going to say. And he goes, well, I led a guy to the Lord, and 35 of his family have come become Christians, and uh, I, I need to go over there and coach the guy. And I go, so, yeah, that's what I thought you were going to say. So the church will fund one trip a month. It's about three times your tithe. We, but, you know, you can't buy that. You can't make that happen. Um, mm. but when it happens, you can, you can jump on it. We did financially. Sometimes you can't do that, but you can certainly stand up in church and make a hero out of the guy. And that's yes. the kind of stuff that needs to happen. Yes. And you're, you're funding multiplication, not addition. 
Yes. Yes. So I I I would advise a denomination with a lot of money. Just put it aside for a while. (laughs) Get back to the identity question. You know, uh, obedient to the living word, dependent on the Holy Spirit, committed to the core missionary task. They're they're the things that matter. And then as momentum builds, okay, there is a place for strategic funding, but don't fund addition, fund multiplication. So you're providing travel or training or whatever it might be for those workers who've already proven themselves as multipliers. In other words, they can train and release and equip others. If you're going to fund something, that's your highest priority. Because as it is, we we tend to to fund marketing and we tend to fund operational costs overhead. Mm -hmm. And the things that you're saying are are, are the things that, generate spontaneous movement forward yeah uh, as, as a movement now a local church that's different they they, they can take responsibility for whatever yes. they're doing in their yes. community but in terms of no we 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 want to see movement well you've got to fund multiplication yeah yeah and it does come back to that identity piece you know i when it's a little odd because of just time and space but when we started out, we were Jesus freaks. That was what the community around called us, but we couldn't escape the identity. Uh, you know, you can be called a Christian. That's become a political thing in America. Uh, when they called us a Jesus freak, we just, we kind of reveled in it. And, uh, but I've watched uh, us move from, from that to a big focus on mission uh, to then getting strategic about, you know, even uh, we do a lot in Japan. How are we going to, strategize the geography of japan and and then we we're now fighting to resist methodology that methodology doesn't become the leader it's got to keep coming back to jesus yes yeah that's good so tell me um what one thing that you would like to see your book accomplish uh in in the in the world as we know it today what would be the overriding joy of your heart if that if the book did that i think it's when when people make that return you know the 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 key moment for me i've been wrestling with that movement life cycle for decades but i i felt like it's not just a matter of imposing some organizational model on the church on the mission of god And as much as that, there are lessons to be learned from organizational dynamics. But the aha moment really in that three-decade search came just a couple of years ago when I was uh, in the the Gospels, realizing this story of Jesus' baptism and wilderness testing was this is the bridge between his life in Nazareth and him as coming king so whatever god the father is writing on his heart and whatever the enemy even is attacking has got to be core for us who want to see multiplying movements of disciples and churches and that sort of changed everything for me that whatever organizational issues are going on with the life cycle the key to the rise and fall is actually who we are in christ 
and especially reflected in our obedience to his word, our dependence on the spirit, our commitment to the core missionary task, you know, of, of bringing people to salvation and discipleship and then church formation. This is what the movement that Jesus birthed and still leads. So for me, it was actually in my research, my life was changed. You know, it's not like I didn't know that, but it's like, it's become so central for me now. I feel like it's a real gift of God. And if others can have that same experience and this, and be with Christ in his baptism, in his wilderness testing, and then trust the Father to, to in the fullness and power of the Holy Spirit to launch them into the mission, I, I'd just be delighted. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at Ralph Moore dot net.